0: Welcome, everybody, to Disney World A to Z. This is the podcast for all things Walt Disney World. From A to Z, we'll take you through the magic alphabetically. I'm your host, Emma. Today's episode is all about the letter O, and O is for obscure. When I'm at Walt Disney World, I love to notice all the little hidden details, little obscure things that are not obvious. You might not even see them or notice them until your third or fourth time through. In fact, you might read about them online or read about them in an Imagineering book. I love those. Um, they have, like, an Imagine. Guide to all of the different parks, um, and it's so fun to hear about all of the tiny things that they incorporated into the design. Little details that you know you would miss just walking by, because there's so much to notice at Walt Disney World. You know, you walk into the Magic Kingdom, and there's the castle, Cinderella Castle. So beautiful, that's the first thing you see. But there's actually so much going on, on around you on Main Street that is also fun to notice. I, I learned some new things actually. Um, uh, there's a new Imagineering show on Disney plus Disney's new streaming service which we've actually only watched the first episode um, so it's all about Walt setting up Disneyland but it's fun you can hear about some of the details um, they uh, they added in that and also just oh my gosh all the work that went on all the uncertainty when they first opened Disneyland I loved that first episode so so much so fun to like go back and and think of Walt um, you know really pioneering and leading the way and making Disneyland a reality but I feel like these little hidden obscure details are very much a Walt thing. Like he wanted to make everything perfect and make all these little, little things so that you would come back and you would see something new and it would be a new experience. I have a long list here of some of my favorite little things to stop and notice on our trips. It's always fun to just be like, oh, I know what that means. Oh, I know what that means. They're, they're like hidden Mickeys, except they're not as on brand, as it were. They're more obscure than a Mickey. But these are other details, often in theme with the land that they are in. One thing was uh, that was always important to Walt was making every land an immersive experience. That's why at Walt Disney World, they have the Utilidors, which is a huge underground network of um you know backstage areas for cats. Members, so that when a cowboy arrives for work in Frontierland, he doesn't have to walk through Main Street and Tomorrowland and Fantasyland. Because that was one thing that bugged Walt about Disneyland: is that you're in Tomorrowland and there's a cowboy walking by, and what's going on with that? But of course, some of these lands are so close to each other that you can actually see them from each other. One of the architectural details I love at Walt Disney World in uh, the Adventureland and Frontierland area is when you look at the rooftops, like kind of around the Tiki Room. Some of those they're like little Animals, I think, on the sort of finials and, and, you know, architectural details. They are made to match the theming of both Adventureland and Frontierland. So when you see them from a distance in Frontierland, they look more like buffalo, you know, uh, roaming the plains. But then when you see them from inside Adventureland, they look more exotic, like just a cool, you know, uh, carving. I just love that they put that level of thought, that level of planning into it. You can see this same kind of architectural foresight at uh, Epcot and Hollywood Studios because when they were building the Tower of Terror at Hollywood Studios they knew they would be able to see it from Epcot when you're in World Showcase and you look across the lagoon, you can see those towers. So they made sure that the color and the design of it would kind of fit in with the minarets and turrets of Morocco because that's where, you know, in the sight line, Tower of Terror um, is behind there. And there's only like one or two spots where you can really see it, but it's so fun when you're standing there to look across and there's Morocco and There's Tower of Terror, but and yet it still is like a continuous line, and you still feel immersed in World Showcase. You still feel like that's Morocco. Liberty Square at the Magic Kingdom has some excellent theming on that Liberty Tree outside the Liberty Tree Tavern, which actually I was just looking this up. It's actually a real 100-year-old oak that they found when they were building uh, building Walt Disney World, building the Magic Kingdom, and they managed to save it, which is so cool. I was also reading that apparently that Liberty Bell, because there's a Liberty Bell. Well... Oh, in Liberty Square is a uh, is cast from the mold of the actual Liberty Bell. So that's, that's pretty cool. Very authentic, but one thing I love to notice is in the branches of the Liberty Tree, you'll notice some lanterns, and if you count them up, there are exactly 13, and that is for the 13 original colonies. Over in Storybook Circus, when you get on Goofy's Barnstormer ride, after you go in through the gates and you're, you know, headed up into the line, if you turn around and look at the the back of the Barnstormer sign You'll lo- you'll notice that it looks like It was made with some old wood So there's some old things Painted on the back of the sign And it actually spells out Wiseacre Farms Because it's a nod to what used to be In uh, Storybook Circus Of course Mickey's Toontown So the old Barnstormer the, the ride is still basically the same But just a nod to the old version of it I love that so much When they kind of acknowledge what was there in the past Because as Disney fans like We have so many memories at Walt Disney World and you are really kind of emotionally connected to the different rides so when they change it's sometimes hard so when they add that little nod of like yes we know this used to be there that's always really fun one thing that has actually been improved upon is the details at the Haunted Mansion for a long time there was a legend there that the ring there was a little ring in the pavement and the legend was that the bride had thrown it out of the window I think it's possible it wasn't a real ring. In fact, I think it might have been like the remnants of like a post that they took down. And I think, did they remove it at one point? At one point, it seemed like Disney took it away. But of course, they expanded the line at the Haunted Mansion to have this whole new, large, um, you know, uh, fancy area of, of gravestones. Lots of gravestones with different stories kind of woven into them. And back in that area, they added a proper ring in the paper. So that's so fun that like that I think started out as more of a like maybe this is true maybe it isn't legend but then it really became official I always love and eventually and stopping to notice the jewels uh, in the pavement that's just such a beautiful detail the way the whole concrete is just studded with all of these gems as if someone was you know making a delivery to the bazaar and like dropped a couple amulets and and jewels it's always a good idea actually to look down at the pavement at Walt Disney World because I feel like there are lots of little details Details that you might miss outside of Tony's Town Square restaurant, you'll see some some uh, paw prints belonging to Lady and the Tramp. Of course, there are lots of prints around at different lands around Walt Disney World. At the Wilderness Lodge, actually, as you're walking up from the parking lot to enter the lobby, there are some buffalo prints. Um, obviously, they walked through when the concrete was still wet. Although, I'm not sure if uh, this still makes sense because there used to be buffalo topiaries that were always there kind of at the end of the buffalo footprints and the last couple of times we went they had moved the buffalo topiaries to near that new bar what's it called near the copper creek um area so they're still there they just aren't out front and there are geese instead and it's just like I, i wonder what the gardeners were thinking because the the footprints are in the concrete so it's like the the buffalo topiary have to be here because we know it was them that walked this way at disney's hollywood studios you will notice some giant dinosaur footprints that have kind of smashed into the concrete and those are from Dinosaur Gertie because they have the Gertie's ice cream area so Gertie is there in the little lake at Hollywood Studios and it's fun you can see her footprints as she as she made her way into the lake back at the Haunted Mansion the Haunted Mansion is really spectacular for obscure details like you could stand around and like read every single one of the gravestones like the gravestones in the pet graveyard and back in the line and out front you'll notice there's a hearse and some empty Uh, empty horse reins and you can see the footprints of the ghost horse as they were making their way to the mansion. If you look up in the sort of shadows, up in the leafy shadows of that pet graveyard, you will notice Mr. Toad because Mr. Toad's wild ride used to be in Fantasyland. They uh, replaced it with the Winnie the Pooh ride. They still do have Mr. Toad's wild ride at Disneyland. We've ridden that ride at Disneyland and it's kind of a crazy ride and it's actually fitting that Mr. Toad is in the pet graveyard because on the ride, like, like you get hit by a train and you die. Mr. Toad does make one more appearance in in Winnie the Pooh uh, in the ride that he that Winnie the Pooh took over from Mr. Toad when you're in Owl's house, if you look at one of the paintings that's on the ground because of course, it's a blustery day. and so Owl's house is all kind of messed up. And one of the paintings have has fallen off the wall. And it is uh, I think it's not Mr. Toad actually. It's. Who's Mr. Toad's uh, associate? It's a character from Mr. Toad with a character from Winnie the Pooh, which is pretty great. I have a couple more obscure pavement details on my list. Outside the animal kingdom, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, but when you walk into the park, there's actually a giant branching curling tree underneath your feet and it's so big that like you couldn't even really notice it from any one particular spot you actually have to be up in the air. So if you google, you know, if you google a picture of the Animal Kingdom entrance from above, then you can see this beautiful tree set in the pavement the other week in my nighttime episode, I mentioned the Twinkly Pavements at Epcot. That's another of my absolutely favorite, favorite Disney pavements. There's another one at Epcot. This you can see during the daytime or at night. And I'm not sure if this is official, but I've read it a couple places and I always enjoy thinking of it when I walk by. But there's a sort of uh, change in the pavement color as you are walking from Morocco to France. And they say that this represents the Straits of Gibraltar because if you are actually traveling from, Morocco to France you would pass the Straits of Gibraltar so even if a Disney fan made that up and it wasn't actually an Imagineers (laughs) idea I think that's pretty cool you know I have a couple things on this list that are actually little obscure details that are sadly now gone and I wish they hadn't gotten rid of them because they were just so great at uh in Fantasyland in one of the shops they used to have a little drawer where you could wake up Tinkerbell and they usually like picked a kid every morning and said oh do you want to wake up Tinkerbell when they first opened the shop and they had like a little magical thing and uh, the light in the drawer would twinkle on and off. And I think there actually was a tiny little Tinkerbell in there. It was such a cute little tradition, and sadly, I think that's now gone. Another favorite that I do not know why they got rid of is over at Hollywood Studios. I know, I'm sorry, we're kind of hopping all around Walt Disney World. There's no order to this list. Um, But at Hollywood Studios, at Tower of Terror, there used to be in the little uh, board between the elevators, so it was almost like a, you know, floor directory like on level two, on level one, this is what you'll find. But if if you looked into it because it was kind of like a shadow box so it had a thin uh, lining at the bottom and if you looked in you could see that some of the letters had fallen off of the board and they spelled out cursed tower you are doomed it was such a great detail I have no idea why they got rid of that I think I read somewhere that like maybe it was a cast member who added it and they they got tired of it or maybe it was a cast member who cleaned it up and didn't realize that those letters were supposed to be there <laughs> I would imagine that Disney cleaning doesn't actually go through um, the Tower of Terror lobby because it's like there's supposed to be dust and cobwebs everywhere so you would think they don't actually really need to clean in there. Of course, the Tower of Terror is absolutely chock full of obscure references to the Twilight Zone show so if you are a fan of that show or you know a fan of that show, you should definitely ride with them. My brothers love that show and it's always so much fun because they are constantly noticing things they'd never seen before. Like even when um, at the end of the ride, when you're like coming back down and there's you're like sort of in the basement so there's a bunch of like junk on either side apparently like almost all of those are references to things that were in the show when you're in the library you can spot lots of different things that were in the show Since we're at Hollywood Studios, one thing that you can find at Sci-Fi Dine and Theater is that the license plates on the cars, because of course at Sci-Fi you eat in a convertible, which is pretty great while you watch, you know, the nighttime uh, showing of the different uh, old movies, but the license plates on the cars are actually a nod to the Imagineers who helped design Sci-Fi. I feel like I read somewhere that some of them are actually like references to like their kids and their, you know, babies who were born while they were uh, working on the ride. One place where you can find um babies of Imagineers although honestly I don't really like it because it's it's not subtle enough it's way too obvious but at Be Our Guest restaurant up on the on the ceiling there are some angels and they have the faces of the Imagineers kids In the Beauty and the Beast movie, of course, there are some angels that appear during that beautiful Beauty and the Beast dance number in the ballroom on the ceiling, but those are more like classically painted, you know, just generic angels, whereas these, they're so specific. They look like photographs. It just, it it interrupts the immersion is the problem. It's like you want all these little hidden, obscure details to add to the immersion or to be like a super secret reference to the behind the scenes, to the Imagineers, Um, but you don't really want them to kind of interrupt your experience. There are some fun details in New Fantasyland, but I feel like there are also a lot of things like that where they just didn't quite hit the hit the hit the mark. One place in the Magic Kingdom where they do a great job weaving in Imagineers into the theming is on Main Street USA. Practically every single one of those windows advertising different businesses on Main Street is actually a reference to the Imagineers who worked on it, to different figures from Disney history. Um, but I love how like they're each given their own business or their own phone number or office. Uh, so it just, it fits perfectly. There are so many details on Main Street. When you re- when you linger, there's a little alley off to the side. It's right near the jewelers, so on the right-hand side of the street as you're walking towards the castle. But you'll notice one of those windows advertises music lessons. And if you stand underneath the, the window, you will hear some of the music lessons in progress. You can hear people practicing their scales or an opera, singing, opera, opera singer practicing her aria. And another fun thing to do on Main Street is back at the entrance to the park in Le Chapeau, there is a payphone on the wall, old-fashioned 1900s kind of payphone, and if you pick it up, you will hear some of the conversations happening on Main Street, hear some of the gossip uh, of the town, and that's just so fun. In Fantasyland, outside of the uh, kind of princessy shop um, that's like right behind the castle, there is a beautiful statue of Cinderella. She's in her kind of still serving girl outfit Um, so she's like surrounded by birds and animals but if you stand right in front of the the fountain you'll notice that there's a crown in the painting the mosaic behind her, her statue and if you stand in just the right spot you can see that the crown lines up on top of Cinderella's head which is so sweet. Oftentimes when there are numbers around on Disney World signs, they aren't random. They mean something at uh, Animal Kingdom in Dino Land. So you're kind of driving along the highway there and there's a sign for, I think, Route 498. And 498 refers to April of 1998, which is when the Animal Kingdom opened. Over at Magic Kingdom, when you're riding the People Mover, as you're entering uh, Space Mountain, you'll see a sign that says Space Station 77 and Space Mountain first opened at the Magic Kingdom in 1977. All right, I have just a couple more items on my list. One thing my family loves to notice when we're getting off of Flights of Passage at Animal Kingdom in Avatar Land is and I think you can see this. Gosh, can you see this from every exit because depending on which level, um you know, which room you're riding the ride in, sometimes you exit through a different passageway so actually this is one that you can only see sometimes depending on where you're seating and where you're seated and where you're coming out of the ride but you might see on your way out of the ride three red handprints on the wall and those belong to joe rody who's of course an imagineer for pandora and animal kingdom james cameron the director of avatar and john landau producer of avatar so that's pretty fun that their uh, handprints and initials are there as you pass by A couple of the hidden details on my list are actually little characters. Like, I wish they would make merch to support them, but I guess then they wouldn't be quite as obscure and secret, would they? One of them that I don't feel like I hear about very often is the FSU gopher. So as you're going through the laughing place, so you're headed up the big hill for the big one, the big drop, there are some little gophers that pop out from overhead, and one of them is wearing orange and says, FSU! And that's because the Imagineer was a huge fan of the school, FSU, and so he put that in there. You know, I always thought that gopher was wearing orange, but FSU's colors are actually gold and garnets. I wonder if he's wearing red or gold, and I just never noticed the difference. I'll have to pay more attention next time. The other character who I absolutely love is Cinco the Five-Legged Goat, and he is on Mary Blair's beautiful, beautiful Grand Canyon Concourse uh, mural at the Contemporary Resort. That's such a cool mural because there are four sides of it to appreciate, and Cinco is on the monorail side. So even if you're just whizzing through um, back, to, back to the parking lot, you can Keep an eye out. See if you can spot Cinco as you whiz by. The Disney resorts and the Grand Canyon kind of have an affinity because at the Contemporary, you have the Grand Canyon Concourse, and then at the Wilderness Lodge, you have a fireplace that's inspired by the Grand Canyon that is such a beautiful fireplace reaching all the way up the atrium, and you'll notice the geologic layers of it are actually Accurate, like they match the geologic layers of the Grand Canyon. And actually, the Imagineers did not get the idea for this themselves. Um, there's an architect designer um, who built many things around the actual Grand Canyon. Her name is Mary Coulter. She um, built things, I think, at, kind of at the turn of the century. And in one of the beautiful historic hotels at the Grand Canyon, the Bright Angel Lodge, I'm pretty sure is where the original is. She didn't have quite as much space <laughs> as they had at the Wilderness Lodge, but um, the fireplace she built built was based on the uh, geologic layers well those were all the items on my list those are some of my favorites some of the things we like to stop and look for on every trip but of course that is not nearly all of the obscure hidden details at uh disney world there are many many more and they're just so fun so exciting to discover Well, guys, as I wrap up this episode, there was something I wanted to share with you all. The new year, 2020, is right around the corner, and I feel like the end of the year is always a time when you kind of reflect on what's going on in your life and you know what you're spending your time and energy on. Um, And so I've been thinking about this for a long time, but I have decided that I will not be uh, continuing with new podcast episodes in the new year. The old episodes will still be available to listen to, so all 150, yeah, because the next episode will be the 150th. I was planning to. To do one more episode. Um, and I thought I would make that a Q&A episode. That's been one of the most fun parts of this podcast is interacting with all of you listeners in the Facebook group. You guys have sent in your questions. I've had so many people offer to be on the show, so many fun guest hosts. So I thought that would be an appropriate way to wrap up the podcast I am planning on continuing to post on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash bookishprincess. So if you want to keep in touch, if you're not following me over there yet, I hope you will hop over there. I'm sure I will also continue posting on my uh, Instagram, instagram.com slash bookishprincess. I have really enjoyed running the podcast. Of course, I started it with my friend Josh. Uh, gosh, two years ago? T- yeah, April 2017. So the podcast has been going for two and a half years now. Like I said, one last episode. It'll be a Q&A. So if you would like to leave a question for that, you can head over to the Facebook group because um, that's where I'll be posting um, and getting your questions. Thank you all so much for listening and for following along with the podcast. I will talk to you guys again next week. Until then, I hope you have a magical day. Bye.